Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. With every conversation, we hope to inspire as many as possible to keep on Dungeon Mastering. And I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joe Boniak. And today we have James Intracasso returning once again because MCDM decided to go above and beyond when adding a psionic class to 5th edition as well as psionic mechanics that stand out and feel a lot more like the old school psionics that a lot of us know and love. Before that though, Patreon listeners, the second part of the AP is fast approaching, so check your feeds for that. As always, there is a specialized RSS feed that you can add to your podcatcher of choice so that those will just drop into your podcatcher whenever they are released. And of course, if you don't want to do that, you can always head to Patreon and listen to them directly. But with that out of the way, let's head to the meat that'll blow your mind. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Today, we have a returning guest. Um, At this point, I am going to say out loud that you, James Intracasso, lead designer for MCDM and associate producer on back in the day, run it back on Cartoon (laughs) Network. Yes. (laughs) You shall receive the Dungeon Masters block gold jacket. You have, you have come back friend of the show, great friend of the show. And when I reached out to say, dear James, who made this, the talent and psionics from MCDM, you said, why me? I should come on. <laughs> and then I would like to uh, file an official complaint about the document. Uh, this is a first world complaint. When I received the document, <laughs> I was not fully prepared to then be like, oh, cool. There's a hundred pages to this document. <laughs> what happened? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so that is a that is a fair. You were not prepared for the uh, hundred pages because you thought it was just a class. Um, it, what happened was we made essentially an alternative spellcasting system, right? Mm-hmm. And so for that, you need alternative spells. And so we ended up making a lot of those. And then we were like, you know what? There should also be psionic dragons, and we should probably have like an NPC for every subclass. Actually, what if we did three? Like one for challenge ratings at different tiers of the game. And then also Matt uh, Colville decided that he would write a long short story, basically, uh, in the back. Uh, so we we went ham, uh, basically, is what happened. And we had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, we had a lot of fun uh, putting this together. And uh, and I, I mean, I have to give it to, like, the art team. They really knocked you it out do. of the park. Uh, whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever it is, they get it. They get all of it. Because I was going to say the art is, uh, it's rare that you see art that tells a story the way that this does. I mean, literally just like going mm. through the book, like you could take, you could take the art and just layer those pieces back to back to back. And there is like a visual story being told. And then obviously more, more than that. So yeah, the art is visually astounding and then to have it layer on itself speaking of which james you've undersold which i feel like this is the best way for you to sell it is to just let me talk about it um because you definitely did not talk about the custom version of a dragonborn 
uh, that was also <laughs> in there. Nor did you refer to the fact that there are several dragons. Not only that, but those dragons, I would wager, are the concept art or redone concept art for the original SDLs that would have gone to be the first miniatures that MCDM put out, um, which are right over in a box painted right here. So, well, or the additions to Kingdom and Warfare for some of the Warfare options, um, if someone wanted to add psionics to that as well. Yes. Yeah, and psionic items, too, if, if oh, yeah, you want to give your... We, you missed, know. we missed out on those. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't mentioned those yet, either. Great, great. <laughs> so, James, for the interview section, since you've been on so recently, we are not going to ask what you've been up to, because you can answer that with our second question. Is there anything that you are currently working on? And I know the ca the caveat does not apply to you directly, but that you can talk talk to us about. Yes, uh, yes. So I can tell you that uh, probably right now, if people are listening to this the day it comes out or close to, mm -hmm. um, we have a, a backer kit campaign going on right now for uh, the MCDM RPG. And it is an explicitly heroic RPG. So we have leaned hard into the hero angle. Uh, you're not playing uh, dungeon rats grubbing around for treasure. You are playing people who are out there saving other people. And it is explicitly fantasy. It is explicitly tactical and it is explicitly cinematic. So it all happens on a grid. Play is really fast. It's really fun. It is really impactful. We've been playtesting it for a long time. We're on uh, version 28 of the rules as I am speaking to you about this. Uh, we got all kinds of pledge levels that you can check out uh, if you go to our website uh, or if you go to mcdm.gg slash RPG and you can learn more about it there. Um, it's going to take some of the stuff uh, that we use in in the talent and uh, our game design philosophy and stuff. And you will see that throughout the RPG. So if you like what you hear when we talk about the talent, you want a whole RPG of that, I would definitely go check out the MCDM RPG. That's awesome. And well, uh, as always, we'll have a link to the to the Kickstarter in the show notes. I feel like it has also been one of the more interesting roads to watch you as a design company go down because you have always you you've been very open with your process um you know i alluded to it with the joke about you not having an nda <laughs> i mean you're the lead designer you can choose what you talk about but but the, the, in the sense that like at your heart you don't have an nda to say that this is an open communal process because the whole goal is not to make a game that you have for yourself the goal of the company is to make a game that everyone would want to play um so i feel like that has been very a very open and honest process which at times has been hilarious to watch because it's just like sometimes it's, I can clearly tell it's like we've thrown spaghetti at this wall and we're trying to see which of the <laughs> spaghetti strands is stuck. Um, but like that's the but you don't see that often because like that's that's the design process. Like you don't know what you don't know until you start to figure it out and then you you continue down that road. And frankly, a lot of the spaghetti is, is delicious. <laughs> that's right yeah if you can pick it off the wall and it still tastes good then then that's good spaghetti right so uh yes exactly exactly and thank you yeah we're we're very fortunate at mcdm we don't have ndas we don't ask anybody any contractors or anybody who works with us to sign ndas because odds are matt colville is going to go on twitch and talk about it uh before you ever get a chance to do anything <laughs> else so and he wants to afford everybody else that same luxury so it is it's great and it's been a, a joy and a privilege to work on this game because 
you know, it is in many respects a fantasy heartbreaker. Um, uh, but I am having a blast doing it and and working on it and and sort of after working on fifth edition for so many years now, getting to do something fresh uh, and and say like ah. I own the things that people will not like about this system instead of trying to work with the things that people don't like about a different system uh, has been very fun. Awesome. Speaking of Blast, for our surprise question, who is your favorite superhero? Oh, who is my favorite superhero? Mm -hmm. It's a big question. Yeah. Now, in the in the realm of superhero, can I pick like anybody? Yes. I can pick anybody who qualifies. Yes. Then. I think my favorite superhero is probably Ash Williams from Evil oh, Dead and Army of Darkness. Nice. Uh, yes. Entertaining to watch. Certainly flawed in in many ways. He didn't say them all every single syllable exactly right, you know, um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I really like uh, reading about Ash. I really like going on adventures with Ash. It's great. That's a novel choice. Thank you. And he does show up from time to time in the Marvel Universe. Um, yeah. There is a uh, Evil Dead versus Marvel Zombies comic that I have where I think it culminates in a fight with zombie Howard the Duck. Um, so uh, that's what I'm about. <laughs> Perfect. Hail to the king, baby. Jeremy, yes. the question goes to you. Favorite superhero, Spider-Man. Second favorite, Superman. Nobody else is in third. <laughs> Nobody else comes particularly close to those two. Yeah, I mean, they're great. They're great. They have such good moral compasses. And you're like, I like watching you. You're not a weird crypto fascist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think what I like, what I like so much about Spider-Man. Well, what I love so much about Superman is in contrast to most heroes, he just chooses to be a good dude. Like he, mm -hmm. he genuinely is like, I could choose. I have every reason to not be a good guy, but I've chosen to be this way. And I think it's that that's the ideal that I think a lot of other heroes are striving towards. Uh, and I really, really like that about him. And then Spider-Man is like, what if we took that dynamic, but made him a teenager who messed up more? And then he continues messing up into his adulthood. And yeah, I'm a big, big Spider-Man fan. Also, I just love his power set. I think it's such a cool, like diverse set of powers uh, that makes him so interesting. It makes him function so interestingly in different contexts. Yeah, Spider-Man's awesome. How about you, Neil? James, you you sent me down an interesting road. Once we kind of open outside of the idea of like Marvel and DC, I mean, even if we want to venture out into Image and IDW, or, you know, IDW and things like that, um, I'm going to stray a bit far afield. But I think one of my favorite heroes, I don't know that I can call them super, but one of my favorite heroes is Rhinox from Beast Wars. Yes. Yes. Like was always one. my favorite character. And there's something about like that approach of like the brains and the brawn. I like I'm always kind of drawn to those characters of like he's he's their scientist. Also, he's massive <laughs> and has giant miniguns that he also uses. He has literally the biggest hands for punching and also has the biggest guns. Um, and is their scientist who like ventures like astral projects himself at one point to go find the lost spark of optimus so yeah by far and away my favorite character from my favorite series as a kid that's great yeah beast wars super fun mm. beast wars so jeremy now that we're this far in do you want to ask james uh the first question yes and may i just second 
the art in particular, because I think in the intro blurb at the beginning of the document, you're talking about the the inspirations for the class and naming like different, you know, the, the classic psionic characters and look then reading through the rules. It's like, yep. This is very reminiscent of how psionics are normally depicted in media. But then when you look at the art, it's like all of the art feels like it is from either it is a scene from something or it could have been uh, like each one. Some of them even look like superheroes, which is, again, yes. something you basically never see in D&D. But it feels like it could work with this particular class. Kudos to you and the whole team, because this is this document is fantastic. Uh, and I speaking of uh, the history of psionics, can you tell us what are psionics in your own words and in like the history of psionics as a concept in fiction uh, as you've engaged with it and how you engaged with it for this project? Yeah, that, thank you. That is great. And I'm really glad you picked up on that, uh, the the superhero thing, because that's definitely what we were trying to evoke, right? And that relates to, so for psionics, right? What are psionics? Psionics are powers of the mind, right? Telekinesis uh, and telepathy. If you think about Carrie also has uh, like pyrokinesis, right? You can even get deeper with that, that psionics can be chronokinesis, manipulating time. All the kinesises um, mm -hmm. are uh, are your psionics. Um, and it is that that power comes from within that person's mind, either innately or because they train themselves to do so. Right. Like Matilda, the book Matilda by Roald Dahl is mm -hmm. about a psionic little girl. Uh, Eleven yeah. from Stranger Things is psionic. Jean Grey, Professor X. You know, these are these are all psionic characters who their ability really comes from within and it comes from them expending their own energy. Like the power is literally within themselves. Right. And they are using mm -hmm. their own energy, which was a big inspiration for us for the core mechanic of this was this idea of like as you are doing these things you are taking on strain your nose is getting bloody like 11 you're getting a headache um it's you're moving slower uh healing isn't as effective for you right um you have disadvantage on strength checks uh because uh you are weaker now as you are using these powers um so that was a, a big part of it, it was i think psionics for me are the power is within you and it comes from your mind and it is fueled by your body's energy. Mm. Yeah. And I like the idea of hearkening back to hero and superhero concepts because it makes me think of as, as long as psionics has been around. I mean, it's been around and introduced in in 76 and then subsequently in almost every edition. <laughs> this one excluded until right. now um, with this this tome. But but the big thing about the hero and superhero, like that's a reference. Do you remember playing the old school dungeon board game? And in its, yes. in its first iteration, <laughs> you had elf, hero, superhero, and wizard. Like those were the classes that you were playing as you were going through dungeon. It's like, so I feel like it's always harkened back to that because if you think of, you know, early earlier fantasy novels uh, or, you know, early superheroes, those precede uh, Dungeons and Dragons by 20, 30 years. So like those, those comics obviously influenced what happened next and in, in books and things like that. But the idea of like being a hero, I feel like that's also what we always refer to our characters as, as heroes and superheroes. I mean, gosh, uh, gods by the time they're 20 level 20. But it, the idea that, 
harken like why why are we not stealing more and maybe that's what my allure was to like marvel 1602 like it's it's like that mashup mm. of both my D and my superheroes at the same time and like so it's one of my absolute favorite pieces of marvel property is the 1602 world so yeah like like jeremy said some of this like just verbally and visually like you're just really honing in and i think part of it is because you one of the big things for me that you've already alluded to for psionics is the power is coming from within. It's not an external source. I'm not beholden to a patron because I'm a warlock. I'm not focused on the tenets of a deity because I'm a cleric. I'm not, um, a, you know, just a st- studying constantly because like I got to work out that next spell right. or like I don't have this dr- draconic bloodline as the whole purpose. It's like, no, it's me and it's my power and i mean if you will it is my talent um that i am able to do do these things i think is one of the really key pieces of psionics in turn allowing for this variation because every psionicist can be different at that point like you could all you i mean you could have multiple in a party and never you never know because also one of the other things we didn't explain is that you're like oh how many specializations are there for this class seven <laughs> oh, yeah seven that's yeah it. That's seven yeah. <laughs> yeah and and that is the the superhero thing right is also our attempt at where does psionics fit in the world right and so it is a different form of creating powers and wizards right wizards has psionics in fifth edition but the way they've gone with it is like it's a flavor of magical subclass basically that that you can have and psionics and magic are the same and previous editions have said that's not the case and we kind of like that right like i like that separation i do think it complicates the rules of the game so i also understand why the the designers at wizards of the coast chose not to go there um they didn't want to create a hundred pages of psionic rules fair enough and so for for us, it was about like, okay, so you don't have spell slots, right? You basically, when you go to manifest your powers, you roll a die and that die tells you like, do you take on strain or not? And the harder, the, the more powerful the power is, the harder it is to manifest without taking on strain, right? So by the end of the adventuring day, you've gotten all this strain that you've taken on. And we started to think about like, okay, that's how that's how that works. And we like that. We actually think that for a new player, totally new to D&D, that might be even easier to explain than mm-hmm. spells per day and how spell slots work. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I am not new enough. I've I've I know how spell slots work. I could recite it in my sleep, as I'm sure both of you could, right? So like I don't you know, it's hard to know. The third passage <laughs> from the fourth chapter of the Vancian tome. Uh, <laughs> but but it's always been an argument. The uh is the Vancian system like the way to go? Are spell slots, do they make sense? Is this an effective way? Um, spell points, I know, is another alternative that a lot of people like. That's kind of your jumping off point from slots to points um, being used. But this, I mean, because again, it's all about the power I have because it's not harkening back to the studying I've done or what my patron allows or what my deity says yes to. It's like, am I? <laughs> I got to risk it for the biscuit if I want to, because if I'm willing to do this, I can take enough strain to kill myself in mm. character, you know, in character, um, because oh, I'm, yeah. I, 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 I feel like my character would willingly risk that 
to get whatever they're trying to go for. Like this spell, or rather this power, is important enough to have go off. I'm willing to risk that strain to potentially um, have my character go down. I think that that is one thing that was hitting me very quickly as I was reading through the, the specific rules of the class, is that it is reminiscent in many ways of the sorcerer to me. In that it's like, my powers are innate, and I generate them from me. Except, like, to the extent where I could literally see this functioning... I could see either the sorcerer functioning according to these rules. Like, I think you could take pretty much any of the sorcerer's stuff and be like, sure, this is psionic abilities, but they also have magic. And you could say all of them cause strain. Because, like, they're not getting the power from another source, it's from themselves. I'm curious. I know that within... I've, I've heard a lot of discussion of or discussion and people saying that they feel like the sorcerer could have easily been a constitution based subclass instead of charisma based. Was there any consideration with that for the uh, for the uh, the psionic? Because I know that like given like the, it has an even greater emphasis on constitution and being able to survive using your own abilities. Was that something you all considered during the development process? Yes, it was. Um, and it's we we had a lot of conversations about like. Where does what is the ability that psionics relies upon, right? And we we sort of went through intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, and talked about the virtues of of it being, you know, basically cut charisma out pretty early. And we were like, well, it could be wisdom. I, I mean, wisdom makes sense. Could be intelligence. That's power of the mind. And then said, like, hang on, we should talk about constitution. Ultimately, the reason we ended up not doing that is because the talent can concentrate on multiple powers at once, right? And so it, giving them constitution felt like we were really tripling down on the things that made them special, and they became so good at maintaining concentration because it was like, well, this will be my highest stat. I'm going to do everything I can to boost it. I only care about this one stat now that suddenly it was like, this is this is too powerful. Yeah. And so, you know, we even talked about it with our testers. We have a we have a great team of testers who, you know, we we test stuff with sometimes months or more with and uh, and they did a lot of really good work on the talent and uh, we like that would come up every now and then. And ultimately it was like this is just from a gameplay perspective it's too powerful, but I do think from a story perspective it makes really good sense. Mm. And I know people who have used the strain system for their sorcerers, right? Because they were like, nice. I'm just going to port this over to the sorcerer and this is how the sorcerer works in my world now. I don't want psionics, right? I just want to keep it to magic. It, uh, that's going to be too much. But hey, I this is easy to port over for my sorcerer and that's how I'm going to do it. And it's worked great. Uh, and, that, and that right there, dear listener, is why James gets to wear the gold jacket. Because one of the biggest things about the discussions we have here and the reason that most of the discussions for the podcast are evergreen is because of things like that like the idea that every document you read every article every book like the whole purpose of it whether you not you enjoy it is something can be taken from it um whether or not it's to say i really enjoy the talent but what if what if strain is too much like what if i want to use the talent and it's with my kids Maybe strains a lot for them to handle to like kind of be tracking um, some of the negative effects and they just want to be super cool uh, superheroes. Well, then I can yep. take strain off. 
And maybe I feel like that plays really well. Or like you said, I can port strain over to, I mean, really you could port strain over to just about anything. Um, but, but that, <laughs> that base level concept, because what if I, what if I enjoy running darker games, you know, um, horror or Eldritch things like that? What if I take strain and then port it over to those games? Um, because then it's this, I mean, in some ways that psychological trauma that comes from those inside of those games can be the same base concept that comes from psionics. So well done, James, as always. Oh, thank you. Well, it was a lot of, it was a a joint effort, right? Like the idea was Matt Colville's idea to, to start. And I, he says like, Hey, I got this idea. I think, uh, we could have a caster where they, they have this thing called strain. This is how I think it would work. Right. And I'm like, okay, right. And then I go and I write it and then our testers bang on it. Uh, Sally Tamarkin, was our sensitivity reader who did amazing work for this really dug in. So, uh, you know, they know a lot about superheroes. Um, and so they were really good in, in that respect that they brought a lot of like superhero knowledge and stuff to the table. And, uh, and they're just all around great writer, great, uh, uh, great editor, great, uh, sensitivity reader. And then Scott Gray was our editor who is like one of the best editors in the business. Right. Um, and so, uh, all of that then combined with our art team coming together to to do this like uh, superhero motif, but but not like hey, it's definitely superheroes, right? It still feels like grounded in a medieval fantasy world was uh, was a big challenge, and they did it while they were making a monster book and all this other stuff. So it's really fun to see how people use it because you can also use it for right. There are monsters in there. So if you, you want, just want some cool dragons and some NPC talents, you can do that. If you want the items, you can do that. If you just want the dragonborn gemstone, dragonborn ancestry, I also have seen people use. So the way the strain table works is there's three kinds of strain, right? There's mind, body, and soul. And whenever you gain strain, you decide, am I going to earn it as mind, body, or soul? And there are different effects for each, right? Uh, body drains your 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 strength and your dexterity and stuff like that. It, it makes you worse in those areas. Uh, soul reduces like your personhood, your sense of self as you're going through it. And mind um, weakens some parts of your mind, although you're still able to use your psionic abilities. You never lose... Like you never take hits to intelligence tests or constitution tests, right? Because those are the things that uh, that your class relies on. And we don't want to create a death spiral for you. We just want you to be bad at other stuff. And I've seen people take that and use it as a different kind of exhaustion chart, right? They're like, I'm just going to take this. And now all players have this for exhaustion instead, where they get to choose where their exhaustion goes as they gain it. Because exhaustion is so... It's why, it's why it doesn't get leveraged very often, because it is punishing it's brutal oh it's yes. brutal. so fast and for like oh i see you didn't uh it didn't eat your wheaties this morning you can't do anything right now you're like oh exhaustion's not fair not fun but the other thing i think of when talking about constitution um and it's one of the reasons like originally if memory serves me well which hit or miss but the idea that in originally the mechanics of it like because you talked about tripling down in some ways it it quadruples down because if you go heavy into constitution you are effectively taking this out of a d6 hit point class and you're bringing it up to a d8 if not a d10 um, because if i put a couple of point extra points in constitution well then my average health per level just went up and went up more and if it's an, an important attribute 
anytime I get a magic item, anytime I get this, anytime I get uh, a feat, then I might dump into constitution. And now we quad- quadrupled down and now retroactively I get that much more health. I'm that much better at constitution checks and I'm at all of these things. Now that said, the narrative piece in me wants it so bad because I because I think uh, so. I don't think I've mentioned this. I I watch a lot of the UFC. I have a lot of problems with it, but at the same time, I'm I'm there. I trained martial arts for a really long time. Some of my friends and I, we literally have a spreadsheet where we pick all the. Fi- There's no money involved. This is the most the nerdiest thing four people could do together. There's a giant spreadsheet, and we pick all of the fights, and we talk trash on each other, and literally zero cent, zero money. What and it's a, a super elaborate spreadsheet. But one of the things about the fighters and it's a lot of the narrative i mean jeremy you mentioned about like following the nba from a narrative perspective for me it's the ufc because you can have a fighter that goes in who's not the smartest person but they have you know a chin and a heart for days and so they're in there and they're a competitive person or you have Nate the person Diaz, the yeah. Diaz brother, <laughs> yeah, yeah. basically or you, or, or you have a person that goes in and they are one of the smartest fighters that there is their punch is not as strong um some of their other things aren't as good like gsp yeah the, and they're they're just so smart and intelligent in the cage um so like that's what i think of you or you think about superheroes like you know there are those that you know they are intelligent in using those things or it is just from a brute force mental perspective um and i think that like that so the narrative in me really wants constitution there for that person that says i know i i am a talent and i have these powers um but i just force it uh i guess that's the same concept as like kind of the light versus the dark side in star wars where it's like you know it's this fine-tuned touch for the light side whereas the dark side is just like nope just try real hard and make lightning Mm-hmm. But making lightning is cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've always thought that. I'm like just a little lightning, though. I mean, like me, like you could tase him. Like, yeah, I mean, you don't have to like shoot lightning <laughs> out, but like, come on, just run up there and tase him a little. It'll be fine. James, I wanted to ask. Uh, now you were talking about how the team not only has implemented uh, psionics as a concept mechanically, but also narratively in a way that still feels like even though there are all those superhero references still feel and like when i say superhero references folks there are literal images in the book where you're like oh that's storm like it's not yes. storm but it's storm like <laughs> but it's it, storm. It, it, yeah, you yeah. can look at like oh it's doctor strange like different characters you're like mm-hmm. ah exactly but you it still makes it feel like it could fit in with a classic D setting uh how did you go how did you and the team go about doing that and making like how did you go essentially about calibrating how you implemented all of these concepts? Yeah, so a, a big thing about it was like we wanted to give people who wanted to use this a way to introduce psionics into their world if it hadn't had psionics before, right? You you're going along, you've got your your homebrew campaign. A player comes to you and says, "Hey, I want to play this for our next, you know, or I want a multi-class or whatever it is," it, and it's like, "Oh, okay." Well, now I now I need to come up with a way to bring in psionics. So and this goes along with the idea of of the hero theme is that like one psionics are rare. Right. So there aren't a lot of the the way Forgotten Realms is just has a wizard on every corner. It seems like sometimes. Right. There aren't a lot of people who are practicing psionics and that also psionics are 
dangerous. They're they're this latent thing in a person that they might discover later in life or as a, you know, like as a young adult, right? Like the same way many superhero origin stories begin. And because of that, it's like, oh, I don't know how to control this. It's I'm I'm sort of a danger to myself um, because I could go use all my strain and suddenly I, you know, you can push strain to the point where you can die, as Neil mentioned. Um, or like, oh, I might accidentally start light the house on fire like Carrie, right? And so there are these sort of secret academies where they'll they'll show up and they'll say like, hey, it, we will train you if you want it. Right. Like we will help you out if if you want. We're not going to take you away in the middle of the night and force you to do this. But if this is your bag, if you want to learn how to hone this skill, we can help you. And so these schools sort of like, you know, the the X-Men professor was about to say, school for the gifted. Exactly. When you, when you were saying, if you are a gifted youngster, we <laughs> <Yes>. could <laughs> you could come to our academy. Well, I mean, even yeah. even the visual arc that the, the um, art goes through, it, it it appears as if there is a modern. Maybe I interpreted yes. that wrong. It does. No. Yeah, is he yeah, in modern he clothes? You interpreted or, it correctly. Okay. Like a modern, a modern teenage, a modern gifted youngster. Almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. Comes, yeah, comes exactly. to a portal and is then like taken under the, the wing of these other psionicists. And then basically you kind of watch that progression of that story. It's a very comic book arc. And in so many ways, it's kind of the arc that we all put our characters through. Oftentimes, retroactively, you have like that breaking bad moment where you realize it's only been like a week of time. And somehow I've gone from level one to 15, um, just like in breaking bad. It's like, oh, wait, yes. there's only been a year. And this is what this <laughs> yeah. is all, these are all the things we've done. This all happened in a year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but that same concept of like that, that arc that that you're going through. And I think it helps because I think a lot of us really like the idea that we have this really big storied past for our characters, which narratively can function but mechanically is often tough to kind of navigate because it's like well if you did all those things um and you can't hit the broadside of this goblin well i you know it's like you just have that narrative dissonance of like oh, okay uh, 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 well but like the idea of taking younger characters and having them all start um together like as their first adventure um and having yeah. that psionicist realization and all of them oh man that'd be I mean, that's a fun campaign um, and, and a way to add psionics in is to say all of all of the characters are figuring out their skill. Is it the the fighter gets in a fight for the you know, is it a character that gets in a physical altercation for the first time and realizes, hey, I'm real good at this um, or, you know, and then the wizard and the psionicist having those same oh, moments yeah. of realization um, and then all coming together for something. Like the Avengers. Yeah, and with seven subclasses, you could do an, an all-scion party, uh, an all-talent party if you wanted to. Um, and But that's the that's actually what the, the short fiction is about. So a lot of those images of that young kid coming in, that goes directly with Matt's fiction, right? And and that was an attempt to like line up. You'll see some of the same characters in the art in a couple different places. And that is basically the fiction is like, it is uh, this kid is coming and joining a group called the society and they are like explaining to him, hey, this is what this is about. You have these powers. These people have these powers. And so from the perspective of this kid, you learn about how psionics are grounded in the world and why a lot of people don't know about them and how a psionic hero could exist and, and be part of an adventuring group. So that did some of the work for us. And then a lot of the other work came in like 
okay, we want you to be able to do these things, but we also want to make sure they're within what people expect from D&D. So when we were sitting down to do things, and and honestly, D&D made that pretty easy for us. Like, there's a spell called telekinesis. There's a spell called detect thoughts, right? There, there are all of these magic spells that already do what we would expect psionics to be able to do kind of classically. And so some of it was like, okay, I'm going to take this and, and basically this is, this spell is the power, right? Like the way this works and maybe it works a little more powerfully for a talent um, because you are adept with that, but we don't want to take away from the wizard. The fact that telekinesis is a spell, we don't want to take those things away. And then it comes down to also like describing, right? How does chronokinesis work, right? How does rewinding time work? And how is it different than a wizard's time stop? And how can we make that feel more psionic, right? And so part of that is the strain mechanics and everything like that, making it feel like it's coming from your body. But the other parts of that then is saying like, okay, well, the limitations on this should be different, right? For instance, saying like, yes, you can concentrate on multiple things at once. That feels very psionic, right? That we we have that scene of like, Jean Grey's got the protective bubble uh, mm-hmm. while the, the fire is shooting around her, right? And then she's also trying to send a message to Professor X. And she's also trying to lift a chair to hit Pyro with while the fire is washing over them, yeah. right? Um, and the climax so, of X2, for example, where she's like holding yes. back the dam while also yes. helping the, the blackbird take off. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You're absolutely right. Yes. I'm using that example from now on. Um, yeah. That's great. I'll give you an alternate example for your Star Wars fans. When um, Kanan, um, there's the explosion. It, oh, it's the same. They stole it. Never mind. Just keep using your example. I'll explain <laughs> my example. But I realize it's just 100% the example Jeremy just said years later. <laughs> But there's an explosion and he's holding it and then they're like, no, and come towards him. And he basically force pushes them back and then sends the it's the same. Don't use my example. It's identical. <laughs> Keep it in. Yep. Keep it in. Nothing gets cut. <laughs> nope. <laughs> James, I'm curious about the, the subclasses as well. Can you talk about some of the specializations? First of all, there's seven of them. I don't know how much detail. Are you willing to go into a little bit of detail oh, yeah. about like this? I'm so I think chrono. We've already talked a little bit about the chronopath. We've talked about pyrokinetic. There's telekinetic and telepath. I think those kind of speak for themselves in terms of what a person might expect. I'm curious about the resopath. Yes. So the resopath is uh, th- this is sort of steeped in in some D and D tradition. So. Psionics has in in D and D specifically. I I know this is true in third, and it's probably true in second edition as well. But if you look in third edition in the Psionicist handbook, they have like schools of psionic. The same way there are schools of magic, like enchantment and stuff like that. There are schools of psionics, and one of them is called meta creativity, right? Um, mm. And meta creativity is essentially you are creating things out of nothing with your mind, right? You are manifesting things into being. And so, uh, you know, and those things could be like uh, sort of illusory, um, but they could also just be like, I'm creating a beam of energy from my head that is going to damage you, right? When I when I hurt you. Uh, or I am creating, uh, like the Metacreative can summon psychic creatures basically right like these creatures that suddenly appear and are on your side like a psionic tiger right or 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 hawk or something like that 
And so go. that's where that actually came from was looking through the old psionics handbook and and for ideas and seeing like, oh, meta creativity. That's kind of cool. And and thinking about like, yeah, it would be fun to say like with the power of my mind I have created now this this tree, right? Um and so that is where the the resopath comes from. Okay. So thinking of like potential examples of in other fiction, it's kind of similar to can't remember well it's kind of similar to a green lantern uh yes. type power yes. where you can like generate stuff from you that you can imagine physically like uh psionic projections uh and i guess you can obviously play with how real or unreal they look but yeah that's very cool yeah exactly right and if you you know they they get to the point where they can create like basically terrain that is suddenly like grabbing enemies and, and throwing them around and stuff like that. Because then it's like Mysterio gotten... almost, except not illusions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Instead of being a special effects guy, right. You're uh, uh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, Mysterio and Green Lantern are definitely some of the inspiration for that. Okay. Uh, and about the Maverick, that's another one that also jumped out to me. Uh, yes, as, as one of the like the one of the specializations that the name does not immediately give me an idea of what it's going to be doing. Yeah. So the Maverick, the idea of the Maverick is that maybe you didn't go to a psionic school, right? Maybe you chose not to. Maybe they never came and you didn't know that they ever existed. And so you you grew up sort of self-trained. Right. And so the Maverick doesn't really have a specialization in terms of hey, I've picked one of these schools of psionics and that's what I'm going for, one of these specialties of psionics. I am about raw power, right? And so the the Maverick is really about like in the 80s, right? All those superheroes who had mohawks and, and leather jackets with the sleeves cut off and they were like about like unleashing their power in as raw and as a, like destructive a way as possible. That's sort of what the Maverick is about is like, if you want to deal straight damage with your brain, the Maverick is the the subclass for you, you know, and that's very inspired by things like Carrie, but also like Phoenix, right? Like the Phoenix, well, also pyrokinetic is very much Jean Grey just trying to hold on sometimes and, you know, so powerful. She's trying not to destroy things. Um, yeah. So the Maverick is very much like I'm going to take on a lot of strain and I will make sure that you go down with me. OK, these are so cool. I have two hilarious questions. Uh, one, why is why have I not yet found the power that says mind bullets? And then all it will say is, that's telekinesis, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> uh, it's true. We didn't want to rip off Tenacious. No, dude. I know. Wonder Boy. Uh, that would be my character from then on. But the, I, the other one that is not as funny, but can be as funny, is was there ever an idea to put in uh, basically wild psionics yeah so good question right like uh to have a uh, a uh, wild magic but for psionics yeah we never we we talked about doing that a little bit with the maverick i love wild magic i love rolling on a table and i think i think that may not be a very popular opinion right i think a lot of people don't like playing in a in a game with someone who could randomly cast fireball centered on themselves at any point at level yeah. one, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, fair. And, and so, um, you know, w- one reason we test is because 
I, I play a lot of these games. You all play a lot of these games, right? And there's a, there's a certain extent of like when you play these games a lot, you're like, I want to do this very disruptive and mm-hmm. destructive thing, right? Uh, and it will be fun for me and it will be fun for everyone at the table because they also play games with me all the time and they also are bored and drive characters like they are cars that they stole, right? Um, not everybody feels that way, it turns out. <laughs> uh, and so we didn't, n- not for this one, but it may be a thing that comes up because we do love wild. Uh, I, I personally love wild rolling on tables. I mean, it's like when you're just like, I'm just on my normal commute to my job. Oh my God, what is happening next to me? Like, boom! Yeah, well, okay, everyone's everyone's driving differently, I see. Yes. Well, yeah, and I even thought, like, the, a failure table. And I mean, even a, da- a bit, it's the same way. Like, take, I mean, there's nothing stopping you or I, James. Oh, yeah. Taking the wild magic table and literally just putting it on top of this to say, anytime you fail a roll, because that, you know, then we're going to roll on it because you're just using your mind and it gets <laughs> things get a little out of hand. Or even if it's a concentration check, does something go awry or, you know, things like that. I do. I do have an additional question, though, because there are so many powers. Is there one that like stands out to you, like one that either you designed or you saw designed or got a lot of really positive feedback from playtesting? But is there like a power that kind of sticks out as you? If you were going to make one, make a talent, you're like, I'm obviously going to get this so that I can use it. So there is a talent <laughs> power called Brain Overload, I believe, is the the name of it. Uh, and it is essentially uh, our version of a disintegrate spell, which the way that it works is, uh, you know, you take a bunch of damage uh, when you are hit with the Brain Overload and your brain explodes uh, if you are reduced to zero hit points by it. So that is the one that I like for me, right? As a as a lover of uh, uh, making, I like I love Vorpal Swords, right? I love the Disintegrate spell. Anything that it's like, guess what? <laughs> the game just got <laughs> deadlier <laughs> uh, in this really fun way. I really I really dig that. So that's a personal thing for me. But I really like, so there's uh, one other specialization I think we haven't really touched on, um, which is the Metamorph. And the Metamorph is inspired by Colossus. And that also comes from me looking back in old issues of Dragon Magazine and stuff. There used to be this school of psionics called Psychometabolism. Um, And it was like, you have control over your body's chemistry and you can make it do things. And so this is uh, uh, the Metamorph has this power called steel that essentially turns them into Colossus, right? They cover their skin in steel uh, and they become invulnerable. So that is that is one that is really, really fun for me. We, we have a similar power uh, that like turns you into the human torch, right? That you can fly and you're on fire and you can shoot fire beams and stuff like that. So that's fun too. This all sounds like such a blast. Literal. It is. Pun intended, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it made me think of, um, I mean, steel the man there's so many characters and also made me think of the old arcade game uh, and then oh yeah you see yeah, yeah. power old Ar- colossus was the best it took up the whole screen yeah when he would do it right yeah dear listener if you have not played the game from konami uh the marvel game that inspired a pilot that didn't get picked up and is one of my it's called pride of the x-men and it's one of my favorite x-men pieces of material ever so it's before X-Men the it's like several years preceding X-Men the animated series. It's based off of the Konami game. It's all those designs 
Wolverine is very Australian for some reason. <laughs> it's wild. It's it's great. It's Stanley is the narrator for all of it. Yeah, so please go watch that. Also, you can put the X-Men game on your mobile device. Now that said, due to due to the rights, uh, they were not allowed to redo anything. So Magneto in the translation, in the English translation um, from Japanese says, I am Magneto with the power of magnet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's still there for you. So you can experience oh, the power that of magnet. just that's like crazy. anybody else back in the day. So so I so I think that rounds us out to what is my favorite section and man i feel like we've touched on it from start to finish but is there any specific air quote homework that a person could go do either read watch play basically experience some form of media to like get a better feel for um psionics yeah that is a a really good question uh i think certainly a lot of your favorite superhero stuff especially if you have superheroes who are psychic or telekinetic is good. I like Stranger Things is one of my go-tos. I like Eleven. Uh, I think Eleven's great in terms of the stuff that she can do with her mind and also in terms of like the you see her get drained. She talks about how like she needs to recharge. Let's go steal pudding from the cafeteria, right? In the mm-hmm. first season to make sure that so like all that kind of stuff I think is is great and that's probably one of my my favorites um and goes to. And then the X-Men I think is is really another big heavy inspiration for us. I mean, take your pick. I like the uh, the old X-Men Fox Kids cartoon from the 90s, right, which you can get on Disney Plus, but there's X-Men Evolution for uh, people who are a little bit younger than me. I think that that was a big one they watched. Um, You could watch uh, Hugh Jackman in any number of iterations. But I think we all know that it's X-Men Origins Wolverine is really the thing that we should be sending people to. That's probably the number one. Mm -hmm. That one and The Last Stand, I think, are really the crown jewels of the X-Men as a property. Yeah, and the agreed. And agreed. the Dark Phoenix as well. If we're just going to go ahead and just round oh, this trilogy yeah. of awesome right on <laughs> Top out. three. Top it's three. The three horsemen of the X-Men apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, coincidentally, <laughs> all three better than the fourth best X-Men movie, which is X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, I was starring Ivan Ooze. Uh, yeah. So good. So yeah. good. <laughs> Uh, I have a suggestion for for a little bit of homework. If people enjoy, have already engaged with a lot of those properties, I, uh, there is a, and actually both of you might enjoy this too if you haven't read it. There is a web serial called Worm that is, uh, it's a superhero web serial that the main character is, I guess, I'm not sure what the correct term would be, entokinetic. Basically, she can control insects, uh, not just insects, actually, just arthropods with her mind. And over the course of that adventure, yeah, the 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 sto- the world is incredibly creative, and the powers are like a lot of them. Actually, you could create characters in like using this. You could create like some of those characters in D anD. d There's a character named Clock Blocker who can freeze things in time. Uh, so he can like oh, touch cool. a piece of paper and basically fix it in time so it can't be moved or damaged for a certain amount of time. Yes. Uh, so you can like throw pieces of paper to the air and create impenetrable shields just by touching all of them. Or he can run up and just touch a villain and they're stuck. 
Like he just affixed yes. them there and it's like he just has to keep touching you every 30 seconds or so and you're captured. Uh, there's a character, uh, I think her name's Glory Girl, but I may be wrong, who seems sort of like a classic flying brick. But over the course of the series, you eventually find out that she actually is, she has basically the power, uh, um, telekinetic powers that allow her to create a super powered force field around herself. But it's just so thin and like next to her skin that it seems like she has super strength and and can fly. But it's actually just her moving the force field at an incredibly fast rate. Really cool stuff like that. Like it's a really, really cool series. Highly recommend it. it I will say it is quite violent and dark. So if you're, if you're not down with like darker superhero stuff, definitely don't engage with it. But if you would, if you don't mind that, like it's it's good, it's good stuff. That's great. That's yeah. really good. I'd love to check that out. That what is the name of that again? Worm. If you just like Google Worm web serial, it'll come up pretty quick. Yeah, that's really that's a that's a great recommendation. Neil has posted a link in the chat. Yes. Oh, nice. Check it out. If you if you end up reading it, let me know what you think, both of you, because I really like. I read it a few years ago when it was still coming out, and I I remember really really liking it. Yeah, I would love to check that out. That's awesome. There's also there's a video game called a uh, series called Control. I think it's got two games right now where you play like a uh, a woman who's got uh, telekinetic powers and stuff. And it's very the story is very good and, and it's very fun. So I recommend Control too. constantly. There there are ways to do it because I think of like Martian Manhunter or Green Lantern. I, I think really just like finding the superhero that speaks the most to you and figuring out how that fits in. Um, is probably the way to go. Um, or just have a very strict vegan diet, like in uh, Scott Pilgrim, and then you too can have telekinesis. Uh, <laughs> so, but with that, the other important question we have, James, where can people go on this wide, this worldwide web um, to find uh, all the awesome things you're doing? Sure, yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, at James Intracasso, for as long as Twitter is a thing. Um or, or maybe not, depending on how upset I get at Twitter. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can find everything we're doing over at mcdmproductions.com. That's where you can check out all the stuff we're doing. MCDM is on all of the social media platforms, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, t- Twitter, TikTok. YouTube is a is a big place where you can find us and, and see videos and things like that. So uh, that's where we are. Well, perfect. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt, James, we'll have you back on. Yes, I'm excited. Uh, I love coming on uh, so much that I'm going to get my diamond medallion coat next. Nice. (laughs) It's painful to wear, but beautiful. (laughs) That's right. Chafes. It chafes. As always, we want to thank James again for coming on, spending some time with us, and just having an absolutely good time. Insider baseball, uh, we definitely forgot to record several things along the way. So if you sound, if it sounds like the audio was different, um, there may be a reason why. But if you want to get a hold of us and let us know how you've been adding and using psionics in your game, you can always email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. Head over to, you can also head over to your podcatcher of choice, leave a rating and review. Word on the street is those are always helpful. And of course, if you follow us on social media, for the most part, we are at DMS underscore block. Or if you search Dungeon Masters block, we should come up. You can also check out other shows on the network like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. And as always, thank you for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. 
I'm DM Neil. Good night, good luck, and keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye.